Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Control Intelligence. I'm Mike Bassador, Editor-in-Chief of Control Design, and your host for today's podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Luis Narvaez, who is the Product Marketing Manager for Industrial Security at Siemens Digital Industries USA. We'll be talking about network vulnerabilities and who's responsible for cybersecurity on the plant floor, as well as defense in-depth strategies. Cyber attacks on the automation infrastructure of facilities in the United States are very real. Securing automation infrastructure can be a difficult task and is more difficult on aging infrastructures with no cybersecurity features and those that are running obsolete operating systems. Some manufacturers believe IT departments can protect their infrastructures, but what happens when that fails or a saboteur is able to bypass the surrounding network and connect directly to the automation system? At that point, the automation system must protect itself against unauthorized access, against malware, against theft of critical software algorithms, and against unauthorized modification. It must be able to detect that it's been manipulated, detect intrusion, and report cyber activity. Automation products have implemented cyber protection that, when properly configured, can provide protection for aging infrastructures. Luis Narvaez is the Product Marketing Manager for Industrial Security at Siemens Digital Industries USA, and with more than 10 years of experience in industry, manufacturing, and engineering, his passion and knowledge of cybersecurity for OT systems makes him one of the most credible cybersecurity experts in industry. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering from the University of Central Florida and has worked in several roles, including controls engineer, systems engineer, and automation consultant. Luis, welcome to Control Intelligence. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me on here. That was a really good uh, intro on cybersecurity in, in the manufacturing space. Great. Glad you liked it. So let's start with defense in depth. I know we've had discussions before about it, and it's one of those concepts that everybody's heard it, but can you give it a little definition? What, what exactly is the defense in depth concept? Yeah, sure. So in general, defense in depth is, like you said, it's a term we hear a lot in the cybersecurity community, uh, especially as it relates to industrial control systems, uh, manufacturing, and um, an automation space, right? And mm-hmm. really, it, it it's a term that we use to kind of describe a holistic cybersecurity protection concept. Holistic is another buzzword, I guess, <laughs> that you hear a lot mm-hmm. when it comes to cybersecurity. But, but you know, to kind of put this plainly, I, I like to think of defense in depth as kind of like a like an onion mm. with many layers of protection, right? And the more layers you can kind of add the more difficult it is for a malicious attacker or adversary to basically get to what's at the center or the core of the onion, which, you know, in this analogy would be your, your automation system that's running your process, your critical processes, or uh, in many cases, it could be a, a power plant or substation or whatever the case is. So in that defense in depth concept, that is fairly common within an IT environment, say, but for OT, is it is that kind of a new concept or is that something that is just as prevalent? You know, I think there's a little bit different. So first of all, I guess to go a little bit further in depth on the defense in depth concept, right? 
there's many facets to kind of add those layers to defense in depth. And I, I should say, you know, with, within Siemens, we, we kind of like to summarize it into like three core pillars, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so looking from, from an outside perspective, going further inside the core of the onion, I guess, so to speak, we have plant mm-hmm. security, which is intended to protect, you know, physical access to your industrial control system, your networks, the building, uh, access control mechanisms, as well as like implementing policies and procedures to help protect against, you know, cyber attacks, common cyber attacks in the IT space. The next layer would be like network security. So securing your industrial network so that way we can detect any kind of weird activity going on in the in the OT network space, uh, making it more difficult for attackers to get into the control system. And so when I when I talk about things within the network security space, we're thinking things like encrypting communication, securing communication, so that way any kind of, uh, I don't know, think, think of, of a uh, phone tap or a wiretapping scheme, right? Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. always see these in like the, the, the spy movies and stuff like that where sure. somebody's wiretapping a line and listening into the conversation, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. essentially what encrypted communication handles. Things like that, as well as network segmentation. If you think about you know, going into a building that, you know, you've walked in the front door and all you see is this really long hallway with hundreds and hundreds of doors and each door has a lock basically with a unique key for each door. It's going to be very difficult to find, you know, a specific item that you're looking for within that building, right? Because you not only have to know which specific door you're going into, you have to have the key to get into that door. You have to know which door it is, things like that. And so that's the idea of network segmentation. And then the third pillar that we talk about with defense in depth as it relates to industrial cybersecurity is is system integrity. And that's really kind of like, I like to refer it as like the last line of defense. It shouldn't be the beginning of your cybersecurity program for your process, but you should do everything you can to implement some of these features that's available in your control components to protect it or, you know, again, make it more difficult for an attacker to get to the critical pieces. And that could be your PLC program, you know, the, the program that's running on the controller running the factory. It could mm-hmm. be, you know, some some screens that an operator is, is using and manipulating values on, on a screen. So the operator sees one thing, but in the back end, it's, it's doing something else. I mean, most industrial control systems today offer some features that can help mitigate the effects of those kinds of attacks. And a lot of aging control systems don't. And so that's why you kind of have to build those layers around those components as well. Going back to your original question, <laughs> I kind of went off a little bit <laughs> on a tangent, but I thought it was a little Good bit important to, to kind of, yeah, sure. I, I thought it was important context, right? So mm-hmm. going back to, I guess, essentially what you're asking, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is kind of what are some of the similarities and differences between IT and OT security, right? right. What are IT? Exactly. Okay. So I think it kind of boils down to just like the basic protection goals for both parties, you know, for, for OT systems in a manufacturing priority, right? In a manufacturing environment, the number one priority is plant availability. Whenever, a cyber attack happens or, or anything, right? You can't afford to stop production. 
in the case of like critical infrastructure, right? If you think about a water wastewater system or uh, a water treatment plant or something, right? You cannot stop that process or power generation plant. We can't afford to have a blackout for an undisclosed amount of time, right? So there mm-hmm. are some, some critical processes that just cannot stop operation. From the normal manufacturing space, the implications could be, you know, millions of dollars lost in, in potential revenue, right? Because you're not producing products, you're kind of at a standstill, and everybody's running around with their head cut off because they don't know how to get it back online, right? Because some mm-hmm. ransomware mm-hmm. happened, right? So the second priority for the second protection goal or, or priority for OT security is integrity, making sure that the data being produced by the manufacturing, by, by the, the control system, by the automation system is not affected, manipulated, is, is actually what's happening and, and trusted, right? And then the third priority, and this is kind of the order, right? And the third priority for OT cybersecurity or, or protection goal, as we named it, mm-hmm. it, is confidentiality, is making sure that the data and the information or any kind of intellectual property that mm-hmm. is, you know, the, it could be the code that's running on the controller. It could be recipes for a given product that's being manufactured, whatever the case is, uh, is not altered, manipulated, or or stolen for, 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 for whatever reason, right? In the IT space, we basically flip the first and the third protection mm-hmm. goals. So in the IT space, the priority is confidentiality, protecting company files or secrets or anything like that, right? Obviously, you don't want, you know, any kind of malicious actor to get into your systems, know all your employees' passwords or social security numbers or banking information, mm-hmm. right? That could be that could be detrimental to to the company, to the reputation and business and everything, right? Right. And then the second one, you know, integrity, it's still kind of that that Second priority, both for OT space and the IT space. And then on the availability, right? It, in the case where, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, right? When major retail brands would get hacked during the holidays or something like that. Their cre- credit sure. card scams, when they would steal the credit card information that's stored on company servers, you know, mm-hmm. they would essentially just shut down the websites, right? Or, or whatever. And they can afford right. to do that because it's not important for the business to have certain IT systems up and running in the event of a cyber attack versus on the mm-hmm. OT space. Again, you're, you're producing goods, you're producing a service or something that could have implications to public health and safety. Whereas, you know, if you take down a server on a, a website, you know, a web server or something like that, okay, I can't check my Facebook post, but <laughs> for right. a few hours, but, but it's <laughs> not, not going to affect the world. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and so balancing the goals between both parties become a little bit tricky when you get both parties involved. But I do think they do have to play well with each other because, you know, the way technology is these days, there's a lot of kind of overlap between IT and OT. Whereas, I don't know, you know, 20 years ago, it probably wasn't so much that way. It was a lot of distinct separation between OT and IT. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And now, and these days, uh, there's so much more um, working together on a variety of uh, issues just because those, uh, I mean, some of that Ethernet is actually shared anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's what I was going to say was, you know, the similarities in just the technology alone has shifted in, in so many 
and years, and even in the cybersecurity space, you're starting to see a lot of technology that's typically used in the IT space for detecting anomalies on the network traffic or being able to detect cyber threats and things like that. You're starting to see a lot of that technology bleeding into the manufacturing space where vendors who, you know, for many years, they do what they do very well in the IT space. They're having to adapt their products and their portfolios and their teams to then bring that into the OT space. And like I said, I think balancing those goals becomes a little bit tricky because in the case of like an incident response program or or Mm -hmm. process or whatever, (laughs) the priorities are shifted. You can't just unplug things on a factory floor and and not know the consequences or not be prepared to handle the effects of of that situation. So it's much different. There's there's health, safety, productivity issues. Yeah, they're completely different issues on the OT side. So mm-hmm. in, in terms of that, providing that security for the OT space, uh, and, and, and maybe even, as you answer this, maybe even talk a little bit about IT versus OT, and I'm sure most people are familiar with the two, although OT is a relatively new term, you know, maybe within the past few years, uh, when we used to have to explain it constantly. No, OT is, uh, but, but, in terms of securing the OT network, whose responsibility is I mean, does that fall on IT? Is it a, an operations and maintenance responsibility? Is it, is it the responsibility of the product manufacturer or maybe the system integrator, or, or is it everybody's responsibility? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people might hate me for this answer, but, you know, and it sounds really cliche, but I, in simple terms, I think, everybody is responsible Mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form. When we talk about, you know, what the responsibilities are amongst the parties, it's a little bit different, obviously. As one working for a product manufacturer, I cannot say that it's, it's my responsibility to maintain or to make sure that the systems that are installed on a customer's site are always up to date. We, you know, as a as a product manufacturer, we can provide the the necessary tools and files to update the products. But it ultimately comes down to who's operating it, who's maintaining it, to then perform what's needed to to patch it and things like that. Mm-hmm. From an integrator perspective, you know, you're the one who's usually initially programming it, or commissioning it, or setting it up, or servicing the equipment, and it kind of goes in that space too, where if the customer requests any specific security features or functions be provided as a deliverable for a project, then the integrator needs to do their due diligence to ensure that the customer is happy and, and things like that. On the other hand, the end users need to specify those requirements. <laughs> so it's a, it's a chick, right. it's a little bit of a revolving circle. Uh, and that's kind of mm-hmm. going back to the whole defense and co- in depth concept. That's part of that holistic concept. It's, it's, that, mm-hmm. it's that synergy between all the different parties involved, the product suppliers, the system integrators, and, and the owners and operators of the equipment. Everybody has to be involved with the process. If there's any vulnerabilities in, in the products themselves, the product manufacturer has to come up with patches and mitigations or, or firmware or software updates in order to, to fix those, those bugs or those vulnerabilities, right? And communicate that. We have a, an obligation to communicate that to our customers. And so it, it's, a, it's a kind of holistic handshake. Right. <laughs> right. 
if that's yeah. a term that, that's used. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start using that term now. There you go. <laughs> so, so in, in terms of, I mean, yes, this is this is a defense in depth itself is it's a huge undertaking that's best executed by multiple parties working together. You know, helping to develop these various layers of the onion. Uh, but what about mm-hmm. uh, for manufacturers? Are are, are there s- any simple steps that manufacturers can take just to, just to harden their OT? Yeah, and and I guess to to be clear, I guess when we're talking about manufacturers, we're talking about the owners and operators. If right, I'm understanding right. your question, right? Okay. Yes. The, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a common question. It's a fair question to ask, and when people ask me this, one of the most simplest things that, that come to mind is take an inventory of what you have. And depending on the size of the factory or, or the plant, you know, this could be a pretty large, you know, undertaking or task. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, but, but I think that alone goes a long way in order uh, to, to, it's a big first step to harden your, your industrial control system to, to put together a bigger, cybersecurity program in the organization, right? You can't protect what you don't know is out there. And by understanding what you have installed on the factory floor, understanding the vulnerabilities that are associated with those devices, with those softwares and applications, you then can take the next step into applying any kind of mitigations to to protect those devices or protect against those vulnerabilities. Basically, you know, plugging plugging the holes, you know, from from the leak, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't plug holes unless you know where the holes are. So I, I think that's that's usually my suggestion. There's a lot of really? talk in the industry as well as on something called SBOMs, Software Bill of Materials. And I think it goes hand in hand with that uh, kind of asset discovery, that the discovery phase of understanding what's installed on the factory floor. It's uh, You still have mm-hmm. to figure out what you have there and then take the next step. And sometimes, I will say, I mean, unfortunately, some, not unfortunately, but sometimes the best course of action to protect against any kind of vulnerabilities is to modernize the equipment, to update the equipment. Uh, that's that's a little bit later down the path, right? We talked about what's one of the, the easiest, simple steps that people can do, but I'm just, you know, mm-hmm. kind of laying out a little bit of a, of a roadmap here, if you may, is, right. is once you have that, you know, sometimes the simplest course of action from there is just update to the latest whatever widget it is that you need to update. Mm-hmm. And those usually will offer some more enhanced features or less vulnerabilities because of, you know, just newer technology and better performance components and things like that. Um, it's almost a vulnerability in itself to have components that are obsolete. I mean, can you imagine the, the implications right. if a controller, a PLC that's controlling, you know, a, a critical process goes down because of some malware or some bug that was, mm-hmm. you know, downloaded to it, fries the controller, and then the customer is in a situation where they have to recover from that, and they can't mm-hmm. get any spares because it's an right. obsolete product, and sometimes that's, that's a... Right. Yeah, and sometimes you know that's that's a critical vulnerability in itself. Uh, is is the, that that affects the availability piece <laughs> that right. we talked about? So, so you've been mentioning these these vulnerabilities quite a bit, and in order to 
to plug that hole or in order to fix that problem, obviously you have to be able to identify where those vulnerabilities uh, might be. I mean, is there is there a place where someone can go to learn about product vulnerabilities for things that are, in, are already installed on the factory floor? Yeah, I mean, most, well, there's a, a lot of product manufacturers. I'll say on the behalf of Siemens, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I know for Siemens, we regularly publish any kind of updates or advisories on, on product vulnerabilities through our openly available product cert webpage. You can just go on Google, type in Siemens product cert, C-E-R-T, and that'll, you know, you, anything you want to know on, on our cybersecurity-wise on our products, you can find it on that page. Certifications, you know, certificates, known gotcha. vulnerabilities, mitigations, things like that. Most product vendors will provide that service already free of charge or you might maybe need to have some sort of login to get that or, or whatever the case is. The other place where a lot of that is communicated is usually with, with federal governments. So for in the case of the U.S. would be CISA, C-I-S-A, uh, mm-hmm. sure. is, an, is a government agency that regularly publishes these vulnerabilities. These are usually communicated from the product vendors themselves to CISA, mm-hmm. and then right. therefore, you know, a little bit more openly communicated as well. So um, that's one place that people can go to get that information on um, what's vulnerable. Oh, I'm sorry, on, on the product vulnerabilities. Now, a little dis- side disclaimer, unfortunately, sometimes <laughs> there are vulnerabilities that are not published. And this is usually because you might be a first time, you might be the first victim, right? And those are what we right. call kind of uh, zero day attacks or zero day vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, under- right. you don't want to be the first, unfortunately, <laughs> but you know, that's, it happens, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, you know the sad truth is, uh, w- with a lot of the situation going on in, in cyber, in the cyber space, mm-hmm. in the cyber protection space, and critical infrastructure being a target for a lot of cyber attacks recently, due to you know geopolitical tension, whatever the case is, sure. uh, <laughs> I anticipate right. this being a lot more of the case. Uh, this is probably going to we're probably going to see a lot more of these types of. Uh, vulnerabilities, these zero-day vulnerabilities moving mm-hmm. forward. And it doesn't mean that products are not secure, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but sure, of it course. just means that... But the good uh, news is, once there is, once there is a zero-day attack, then, um, then those vul- vulnerabilities, there is a place where uh, they're reported and collected, whether it's to the product manufacturer or, or mm-hmm. then reported onto CISA, and those do become available, and um, certainly staffs are um, pro- pro- they're probably already checking, but if not, uh, that's a great resource for them to to know about for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's usually communicated pretty quickly. I mean, we just had a a, a major not we Siemens. I mean, like the the community, the industrial space. Mm-hmm. There was a major vulnerability reported just a couple weeks ago on on some pretty popular industrial control brands, and I think. It, it just shows the, the flexibility and the how quick how, how quick these these cyber attacks are are shifting focus right it's almost a moving target mm-hmm. if you may um, right absolutely and, and remaining diligent and making sure that 
owners and operators of this equipment are doing their due diligence of protecting against those threats or, uh, or, or, or vulnerabilities and then also being able to detect them and react and have a plan in place that, you know, you can react swiftly um, is mm-hmm. very important. Right. And that's why the defense in depth is so important just because you don't want just one layer of protection. So once they uh, infiltrate that vulnerability, they're home free. You want uh, additional layers in place. So it takes some time. And in the meantime, you can reshore up uh, those other layers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny you brought that up. It used to be that there was usually like one one layer, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. another term you hear a lot in the industrial control system cybersecurity space is insecure by design. And Mm -hmm. what what that means is what, what a lot of people refer that to is that the components that are running our factory floors, our production floors and production systems, be it the, the controller or, or the display that the operators are interacting with, whatever the case is, the robots and all that, those products were not designed with initially, right? We're not designed right. with security in mind. And so mm-hmm. um, when we talk about vulnerabilities, we're really talking about leveraging the functions that are already available in these products to cause, you know, some sort of, malicious reaction mm-hmm. whether it's you know right. so it's really not it's not it's not that uh that they were designed for the purpose of hacking right they were obviously designed for the purpose of producing something and, and controlling a, mm-hmm. a, a production line right. or whatever the case is but they just you know in, in traditionally haven't been designed in that way and so what used to be the case was they would only be like that one layer and it would usually come in the form of some network firewall and you have all these yeah (laughs) and you'd have all these controllers just like on a on a network right so going back to what i mentioned earlier like you walk into this building and it's a long long hallway and you've got a hundred different doors to go into imagine this same hallway and there's no doors no walls everything is visible you can just walk up to whatever you want Mm -hmm. inside you know, in this wide open space, that's essentially, you know, what industrial networks used to look like. Just have one lock on the front door, one layer Mm -hmm. of that onion. And now we're starting to see a lot more people and technology implement security into the product. You're starting to see people implement security into the OT networks and and, and that defense in depth concept. And so it went off on a tangent again. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, it's a great tangent. You know, back then there was, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, there was there was no Internet of Things or uh, yeah. cloud-based algorithms. Uh, there was, a you know, a firewall, and you were using a dial-up telephone line to go in through the modem, and, you know, you had one-way access. Uh, sometimes it was only going in or sometimes it was only going out, but certainly – with sensing capabilities and data exchange now, that game has completely changed. Yeah, and it's changed very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. And, and the other thing I wanted to point out with that was that I mentioned insecure by design as a common term to describe like mm-hmm. components, right, historic components. But even right. even to this day, even though a lot of the technology is, is being implemented with more security features than 
um, than they have been in the last 20 years or so, or, or 10 or 15 years, really. The life cycle of these components are intended to last longer than what you would typically see in an IT right. environment. Like, can you can you point. imagine? You know, your, your your home PC is, you know, I don't know. People are probably replacing their tablets or their PCs every two or three years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, after three years, it's running slow, and you just you know, it's got a new operating system. Mm-hmm. Windows 11 just came out, and we thought we were mm-hmm. done with Windows 10, and uh, right. and now your Windows 10 PC is obsolete. <laughs> it's right. it's it's Technology changes so fast, but in the automation space, in the industrial space, it doesn't change as fast. And right. so that also, even though the technology, like I said, they're, they're implementing a lot more security features into the product, they're still, I mean, if you've got something that you installed 10 years, old, 10 years ago, that's still considered a new line, a relatively right. new line. It's not even, the useful I mean, life these things are intended. Decades, not years, right? Exactly. So, you know, you're not looking to replace your equipment that's just, you know, under 10 or 10 years old or anything. You're looking for this thing to run 20, 30 years. Right. And, exactly. and so <laughs> it's, it's secure for now, but in five years from now, it's, it's probably considered, you know, a dinosaur in the hacking or cybersecurity community. And, and that's exactly. that continuous monitoring and continuous, you know, patching comes into play. And it's, it's yes. very difficult. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. Great point. All right. Well, that's been a delightful conversation. Really appreciate it. Anything yeah. else you wanted to add? No, I think that was it. I mean, if anybody wants to reach out, feel free to reach out to me. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm always open for conversations. And again, sure. Mike, I appreciate you for having me on, on this podcast. Absolutely. Well, th- thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on Control Intelligence, the podcast for Control Design Magazine. And thanks, of course, to Luis Narvaez of Siemens Digital Industries USA for his insights into cybersecurity strategies for OT. Thanks again, Luis. Welcome. If you've enjoyed this episode of Control Intelligence, don't miss our older episodes and subscribe to find new podcasts in the future. You can find our podcast library at controldesign.com or you can download all episodes via Apple Podcasts or Google Play.